R&D Podcast, episode 29. It's your boy, Alex Caravan, co-swag manager of baseball analytics, uh, drinking another bail breaker. Not because I love bail breakers that much. Uh, honestly, just because they've, they've just been in the house since my girlfriend's dad brought him over. Oh. Also, also, how's my audio, by the way? I just realized I didn't put in a mic. God damn it. It sounds fine, honestly. Uh, it sounds all right. Lindley definitely sounds a little better. All right. I'll stop I mean, on always. it. I'm slapping on a mic live. Live. Uh, in action. Kyle Lindley, R&D engineer, driveline baseball, drinking a socks and sandals, uh, hazy IPA from Stickmen Brewing. Very exciting. Nice, uh, cool beer label. Ooh, very nice. I'm Anthony Brady, driveline biomechanist. Uh, today I got the Melvin. And the primary host. Primary host. It's given at this point. I was going to talk more about that later. I got the Melvin 2x4, the uh, double IPA from, from Melvin out of, uh, pretty sure out of Wyoming. So you got it in and out too? 2x4? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Alpine, Wyoming. Just across the street is actually my last, uh, only two more days in Idaho, back in Seattle on uh, on Wednesday. Looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, Drive On R&D podcast, researching drinks, episode 29, another live recording. Uh some you know snazzy new overlays for the intro and outro dude brady i'm, I'm buying you um i'm buying you some treats when you come back uh well i was trying to think what what uh what what rubens to get you rubens? I, already, I already have I have like a what's up what rubens yeah i'm gonna get you some rubens i'm gonna get you some balloons um okay very I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get some some, some tasteful i'm gonna get you some tasteful homecoming gifts very down. This is a, uh, I, I feel like when you came to Utah, you had this, the Melvin 2x4. When you came to Utah. And oh, hold it closer to the camera. Hold it closer to the camera. This one? Was that was that in your parents' garage? I don't know if my parents had it, but it's um, it's it's Corey's favorite beer. It's one of Sean's favorite beers. Uh, it's really it's really good double IPA. It's like a 9.9%. It's pretty fire. Ooh, dude, I okay. had um, the... I think Too scared to go into the double digits? What's up? Too scared to go into into yeah, the double digits. Way, way too scared, man. Way too scared. Um, I got New Belgium's. Uh, I think they're like variety hop pack, and that one was great. They have two in there: the experimental IPA and like the liquid paradise hazy. Super, super good. I'd never had. Dude, that was so funny. That was so funny when Albertus mentioned uh, some on Twitter about us all drinking IPAs. Just for just for like a. White dude's trying to be trendy, drinking IPAs yeah. on the on the podcast. I'm talking biomechanics, yeah. and I'm literally doubling up the exact same beer I had last week too. Yeah, that's all it takes. Yeah. What'd you get? What'd you think on that? Uh, the acronym that I had for it, bitch. Yeah, that, that was that's fire. Uh, underrated tweet. Definitely underrated tweet from an underrated account that uh, just yeah. broke 1,200. It followers. is underrated. It is underrated. I should have way more followers. A a nice blend of uh, research, education, and some. Some uh, pun, so, some word humor as well. That's right. All right, all right you guys want to get into it? What? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what have we been up to? What have we been up to the last two weeks? And uh, and you, you you guys go first. I can think on it. <laughs> I've been in the gym a bunch, collecting some data, uh, working on a couple of modus projects. So, just in collecting data during motion capture assessments, um, collecting data during plow velos. Uh, so I got that going on. Um, Getting slowly getting the R and D area built out. Um, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but the mocap area is a little bit different now. It's going to be uh, changed a lot as well in the coming weeks, and then we're finally getting some R and D desks set up. So that's cool. Hitting some uh, research requests from trainers, looking at some like biomechanics variables. We'll get into that in a bit, and then um, 
Yeah. Oh, submit. Oh, I think I already said this. Submitted the way to ball study, but waiting, waiting. And we got assigned an editor, editor and reviewer. So hopefully, gonna hear back on that soon. Nice. You're trying. You're trying to hit a. You're trying to hit a one sentence debrief on the way to ball. I feel like anytime we mention a, a study or paper, we just gotta like replug yeah. it or at least explain it. Yeah, this is the one that we just looked at. Um, max intent delivery differences between uh, ball weights. So um, submit it to Pure J. Hopefully, hopefully we can get that published here soon. Anthony, what you got, dude? Uh, what I was going to say is with the mocap lab and the new facility, uh, Ian hit me up today saying that the um, Cat6 Ethernet cabling that I asked to get delivered was delivered. So, oh, Wow, it's going to be a project. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm excited for that because then we won't have any excess cords. We can just measure out our own Ethernet cables opposed to having all the excess so yeah it's gonna be sick but uh i've just been hanging out in uh i've just been hanging out in idaho um helping out with some stuff here but as far as like work goes um most of it's been pretty pretty black ops related projects can't really talk about yet um things that can talk about are some developments and then just working through feedback uh, and things. Modus, Modus just deleted their chat. Sorry. <laughs> oh, what it? Modus is in the chat. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Mo, Modus Global is in the uh, drive on our new podcast chat. Wait, what, do you, what do you mean deleted? The message retracted. It said sup, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. What up, Modus? Uh, that's actually a sensor. So that's a Modus sensor. In <laughs> yeah. That's a bug too. It's not supposed to talk during chats. Yeah, we got some AI technology in there. No, on my end, it's just been uh, pitch AI developments, working towards some uh, some things in the future that we're that we're trying to work on, and Don and Co. and all those guys. They've already got uh, a couple of new features that they're they're showcasing and showing. Pretty pretty excited for that, but also excited to get back to Seattle. Forward to uh, to the now. beers I'm gonna get you. Yeah, mainly for that. Do, do, do you, you want you want to talk like the do you, do you have a like a pitch AI corner? You kind of wanted to do the run around, and then I'll get into my first care chat. Yeah, yeah. Unless do you have any uh, big updates from the last two weeks? Just, just been working on um, all, all such all slew it together in, in my update because I think it, it kind of blends in. Yeah, so a couple things uh, with pitch AI that um, like Son and everyone else are already working on, you know, is aggregating uh, a lot of the averages of the data that we've already collected from like reports submitted and potentially putting together some uh, like intervals that could be um, either graphed or at least like tabular data, you know, like 10th, 10th percentile, 20th, 30th, et cetera, you know, like 95th percentile, like showing uh, data and averages for, for those groups um, within the report, attaching that on there. And then another thing is tracking uh arm path so there's like an overlay that we have i think actually pitch ai may have tweeted out an example video of it where um we're going to be able to like track arm path throughout the throw and like it's overlaid on the 2d video you can see the arm path movement but it also works in 3d so we'd be able to see like arm path from multiple angles and kind of like how the ball travels through space and then you can kind of do that with any of the the segments. There's a lot of um, options and opportunities where we'll be able to go like a couple of ways with that. Could could be some like cool full signal uh, analysis just in that alone for like positional data of all the segments. Those kind. Of so those are those are really the main ones. Uh, I'm pitching AI, uh, working towards and um, getting some things started with uh, with hitting, which is pretty exciting. But as far as pitch AI, just really trying to taking in a lot of feedback that we've gotten, um, suggestions on the report, adding in things. I know one thing that a lot of people want is uh, tabular data. And so that that's kind of like a big one to tabular data into PDFs, tabular data into PDFs, or you're saying like displayed some other way or like, what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. Displayed or tabular like data. These averages. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We just don't have any right now. Um, so tabular data from the report and then also hopefully like averages from other reports so that people can have a better idea of like normative ranges. Yeah. 
Oh, I was gonna say that. that's what you're thinking of mostly, right? Like playing level, mm-hmm. playing level, or like or like velo buckets and then tabular data there. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. So the more the more just like resources, because the main feedback and questions is like, what is this? Yeah, so what's um, good? Yeah. yeah, like what what does this mean? What what do we do with this kind of a thing? So hopefully, just more reference information and reference data uh, will help people better understand it, uh, be able to use. It. And then we're still, yeah, also, I mean, we're still getting like new facilities and people added uh, yeah, yeah. daily, I believe, because we're, we still have a manual, um, sign up process to activate and have an account created that should hopefully be over with in the next couple of weeks. So on tracks and in the track development, that'll be an automatic process. Hopefully. Yeah, definitely in the next two weeks. Um, qu- quick question. Do, do do you know if there's any interest at all in having tabular data by facility? So like if someone if someone like comes in if if they have facility IDs associated in track having like ranges and and listen I mean if anyone is listening or thinks it's an interesting idea, shout it out and I'll ask for one percent equity in pitch AI. It's in the but, chat. Uh, but but uh but I was thinking just like yeah like some some perspective on just like that facility in and of itself and yeah. then like. It can be it can be segmented there by velo buckets. Like okay, people will come in a driveline or or like a larger facility has a bunch of pitch AI, and then okay, our elite throwers are having this much arm action, whatever. Yeah, um, that's actually. I wonder if we could uh, do some kind of like opt in thing with that because I'm not entirely sure how that would work exactly. Um, as far as like like I don't think we could just do that right away. You know, just start like throwing out averages and stuff of people's data. Um, I was thinking of being the reports of that facility. So yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. we'd get, it's not like we'd get like, you know, some yeah. other facilities data yeah, and everyone like get drivers. Yeah. yeah. And then maybe people would be willing to do like an opt-in thing yeah. where you could create like a public, um, you know, repo of data averages. Sorts. Yeah. Who's More got perspective. Artist throwing facility, um, facility with like the most fire mechanics. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, I like that. Yeah, we do have the facility IDs. I'm in on that. Also, speaking of though, that just reminded me. Uh, also, that reminded me of one other thing I've been doing the last two weeks, which is hiring. Which actually, I can I can go off off track and, and talk about for a little bit because I think it's kind of interesting. But uh, shout out to one of our our uh, biggest podcast fans, Luisa Gachi, who uh, who told me she, she uh, people at her facility were like, "Oh, what's pitch AI? What's the point of it?" And then she listened to our podcast and then showed it to them, and they they're like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Nice. So, um, obviously, obviously, like that's that's mo- probably on me for asking them really good questions during a Mike Son interview. Right. So, right. you guys are welcome. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, yeah, a, there's a, uh, another side of that too, which is you know maybe not having enough uh, uh, sources and stuff on our end launch to, to properly get that out there. I, I got yeah. I got very similar feedback that the the Son interview. Actually, even my dad uh, was like listening to it after, and he said, "Who is this guy?" He's really good at explaining things. Like, pretty, pretty cool. Good and guy. you said, you said, you said, Dad, you don't, you don't remember Caravan? You yeah, just yeah, let yeah, us hear yeah. down. Yeah. Like he's been in our house. What are you talking about? <laughs> really um, quick, uh, shout out my buddy Billy. He's in the, he's on the live stream right now. He just suggested that we we chug beers, and I said no. Obviously, that's irresponsible. This is a 10%, uh, except, this is 9.9% wait, 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 wait. beer. I'm not doing it. No, no, no. Billy, Billy, Billy. What do you think is a good time, my man? Let, no. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Let no, me no, finish. No, no, no. Let me Let's finish. wait until you get through your, next, your section, Caravan. Next week is episode 30. We could do an episode 30 live beer chug celebration for making it uh, 30 weeks. You're saying you're saying kill, kill the 30 rack on air? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No. That's perfect. <laughs> 30 for 30. Oh do, do a power hour for 30 minutes the driveline yeah. r&d podcast turns into a turns into a power hour <laughs> god dude that, that, might, that might be it that might be it that's, that's like a that's just fire viral engagement like youtube videos that just like show people pounding beer real quick but by, by the way billy uh we can do this off air but if you're trying to go <laughs> one-on-one on uh on chugging I, I'll, I'll smoke you i'll say that now i'll smoke i'll, I'll smoke you on air <laughs> so, so I mean, listen. If if you want to Facetime Lindley, hold, hold Lindley can hold the video, the the phone he to the camera. He could just hop on the call, bro. He could be a he could be a quick guest. Even even with the stream delay, Caravan's feeling confident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Oh, yeah, t- talking about my end, uh, last two weeks, honestly, have been extreme. And, and you guys will see in a second when I put, put my toggle hours. Um, very, very heavy development week, which, I, which I've said before, but the reason for that is we have basically revamped our old existing edge reports, our analytics reports. Right now, if you're a TrackX customer, you can go and check out like Swing Profile. I think we're going to have an announcement about it tomorrow. But uh, we hired a third-party company called Schema, and I've talked to them already about cross-promotion. They're, they're happy to gain name drop, but we hired a third-party company called Schema to give us graphic design uh, advice because nobody at Driveline is honestly really in, that into graphic design. And even if they are, it, it's kind of tough because... I mean, dude, what, what you usually... see the intros I just made today? What are you talking <laughs> about? I feel offended. I mean, I mean, it's not like you weren't in operation to make pretty, which, by the way, their one feedback... So, so the, this way the system went for the last eight or so weeks, we, uh, we would t- give them our reports. And the biggest value, honestly, is... Because, and you guys can attest to this, usually when we make analytics reports, which will be myself or Dan, uh, and then we'll post them for feedback. And a lot of feedback will be related to content, which is good because we want to provide our trainers and third-party consumers with the best content possible. Or just but like rarely, noticing an error. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but so I'm saying like, you know, and maybe they'll give a couple like stylistic feedback. Like, uh, I think like wiring the column headers bolded or something like that. Mm. But they're not going to come in and revamp the whole process. They're not going to be like, okay, this page has two plots, one spray chart and a chart. So like, I'm thinking, you know, maybe it'll be like, okay, this is a little cluttered, but not gonna be like, this plot should be here. This one should be here. This should be on another page. And you guys should flip this spray, you know, whatever, which, which is what schema did. So for about eight weeks or so, we met with them twice a week. Um, yeah, it was like myself, uh, Max Engelbrecht from a track point of view perspective, cause he's more used to what stuff looks like in track, that kind of stuff. Uh, Dan for the reports, uh, Brady, a couple other people. And I was gonna say, honestly, their only feedback was, uh, <laughs> their only feedback was like, cause, cause we asked them, Max and I had like a after, after contract meeting with them. And we're like, you guys had any, feed- any feedback for us? Or like, Oh, maybe just like, uh, I was surprised you guys had so many people on the call. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause think about it. It, it was like, uh, almost every single meeting was me talking for like 90% of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then about, I'm really glad we had you guys on the call because you guys were like jotting down notes and, and interacting in the channel on our side internally. Yeah. But I bet from there and there's like, why are like seven people on the right, call? Yeah. Did, did six of them have that? broken like, audios. Did you tell them that after the fact that we were like, all of us were listening and like sending you guys direct messages? to them Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mentioned I mentioned like, yeah, like it was, it was a lot of it was, you know, relevant for internal feedback. Cause I mean, it, it would have been, I mean, it would have been it would have been much harder much harder process if it was just like me me and Max and one other person or whatever. Right. Um, it also but, uh, would have been like un like very inefficient if all of us on the call just started like throwing ideas, especially if we disagreed internally. You know. Yeah. And it's like we hijacked the schema call and we're just like talking back and forth yeah, amongst yeah. each other about the logos or something. No, I, I think they honestly didn't realize how how big of a deal it, it, it is. Because uh, like I, or I don't know if they knew the size of our company. I think maybe they thought we were like a ten. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, um, but but it, it went really well, and we re revamped our old reports, and we're pushing new reports this week. So they'll likely there'll be an announcement about the new ones probably a week from now or next Tuesday to kind of line up with Edge's deprecation, um, which happened about a year ago. So Edge, well, Edge's deprecation, Edge is like public site, uh, Edge driveline, Edge driveline That'll now be a free site with 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 uh, some to, uh, access to beta tools and some free tools and like Edge customers now will get a 30 day trial of like Track X all these shenanigans that'll like someone else can probably rattle off a web page with better me but uh, to to that point I've been working hard on getting all the new reports on in the current Schemafy design which is much more fire I hope we paid them some some uh, thousands of dollars for it so. That, that was a lot of work fire, just like much more we, we, we paid them just for the graphic design so like myself and uh spencer schneier our roommate had to implement on the python side of things all their designs and then dan and uh, melanie bell worked on the r script so implementing basically getting matching designs in r and python so we can just have those templates ready to go and i'll, I'll, I'll talk about it maybe more when it comes out but essentially looking forward to our reports that come out next week for all existing track x customers that'll be able right right now we have a we have like a few bare bones not bare bones we have a few specific reports swing profile for blast data uh pitch recommendations for rap soda data 
Um, right now, actually, uh, Swing Profile has Diamond Connects data. So you can go and get Diamond Connects data. We have, I worked with uh, their tech team to get like a lot of Diamond Connects normative ranges. So you can go, if you have no idea what Diamond Connects data looks like, because some of the magnitudes are a little offset, you can go and track X if you have track X, um, run a Swing Profile report and then see what your DK data looks like. And then next week, we'll have a combination of hitting and pitching. We'll call them the hitting and the driveline hitting and pitching snapshots that'll take in any sort of input uh, on the batted ball side from TrackMan, Rapsodo to hit tracks. And then on the swing side, DK and Blast. So you can pair basically like six different combinations. Um, and then on the pitching side, right now we have a geared towards, we're going to take in again, like Rapsodo, TrackMan, and Diamond Kinetics. So just, just, just like expanding our options uh, based on just like the available tech out there and we'll continue to expand. But that, that's been a heavy focus on me. And uh, all, all, all the reason I the reason I wanted to go on the care chat and talk about API stuff is because like a very relevant thing to, you know, how development works. And I guess like to, to kind of kick it off, make it more interactive and not and break me up talking just 10 minutes straight. What, what are your guys? Because I know you guys have more experience than the average uh, layman, um, but maybe not like super into the weeds. What are your guys' thoughts of like what an API is and what it does? Can I break it? Can I break it up uh, really quickly? Just going back to the to the report talk, yeah. uh, attested to like the improvement in the visuals. I was no part of the graphic designer like uh, improving the the making pretty of the reports, and the difference is uh, striking. I, I, you guys just it was last last week. I think was the first time I had seen them. Uh, after improving them and they look fucking awesome. Yeah. So. I mean, last week was when, what was when we improved them? <laughs> no, I know. I know. I know. But like you guys have been talking yeah. about like, yeah, yeah. uh, design improvements and stuff and I hadn't been a part of that. So it was, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, some of it was definitely a, a pain in the ass, but I'm, I'm happy too from like probably me improving my coding skills or just seeing like what I can actually do on the data of his side when I get like really, really specific, um, you know, initiative. Cause a lot of times, like it's not even that I don't know. I just get like, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like this, this probably is a little bit like me personally, but also I think just general development. So much of the focus sometimes is getting stuff out, like output oriented. That it's like hard to take a step back and be like, okay, like I, I got it out, but like I, I, I spend like only like an hour fiddling with the designs, you know, when like, like, like that's, that's going to matter. Like maybe 70% of like, you know, user retention maybe 50 percent. I, I don't know right but it's like o- almost definitely i was i was heavily uh under utilizing the time spent on the aesthetics compared to actual content um which which like again i think the content is the most important but for a lot of people they can't even like let the content speak for itself if the aesthetics are so janky they're just like okay you know um uh, apis but but jumping back over to yo by the way, what did Billy say did he did he did he uh did bro it, he missed it he, he missed it he has he was he's a he's a salesperson he was on a call he was like on at the beginning he was on a call when you challenged him so he's gonna have to run it back and uh and listen listen to the challenge but we'll have Billy, if you come at the king you best not miss dog <laughs> what are you gonna do throw out a beer chugging coop and then just bail dude. <laughs> I'm on air and I'd still beat you. You can't chug a beer and talk to someone. Dude, how long is your beer chug that you're on a call and you don't have time to do a beer? Oh, I'm on a call. Hey, hold on, sir. God damn it. Oh. <laughs> oh, dude, my bad. I'm on a call. Guess what? The person didn't notice I took a break because I chugged my beer so fast. All right. Anyways, uh, All right. So what do you guys? An API is like a black box where you give it an input. It's like somebody else has developed this thing that does some processing with an input and then an output. And that API allows other people to interact with it. So, um, so like if there's a company that has made this really like in-depth process for like using this data to come up with this output or changes this data into, into this type of data, then it allows other people to do that and use their code without like no or use their processes without knowing um, like what is actually in that process to to create it. So that's my understanding of it. You like somebody provides this tool basically or this thing where you input something, it does whatever they have developed, and then it outputs this other thing uh, that you can either use for further processing, further investigations, or just like that's the, that's your output. 
And, and there you go. We, we should rename it to Lindley Chats. Lindley nailed it. There, <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, Caravan's still recovering from the chug. It is a little quiet. I noticed that. I didn't. I wasn't. Yeah, you <laughs> You're getting quieter and quieter, dude. I'm gonna try to fix this on the fly. Okay. So, so, uh, yeah. I, I guess I'll get going to it a little bit. First off, I'm not like uh, I'm not an API expert by any means, and API expert by itself is kind of a throwaway term because that doesn't mean anything. But uh, like Garrett York, our main software developer constructed our APIs with some help from me, but it was mostly his doing. And a lot of, a lot of APIs, a lot of APIs is just like what you said, Lindley, technically getting the acronym out of their application programming interface. But the idea is uh, the API sends over data to someone else or, 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 or whatever it is, right? Like can send, can send over data to a web page uh, or web server. And like that web server will, send the API over to its own database or like it'll ping it or maybe the API is designed only to display itself on the web server. There's no storage, but specifically before I get too, too into the, into the uh, details, what it really looks like uh, it, the most common format of APIs are usually JSON or XML, specifically JSON. And what JSON looks like for most people that like, I don't have much experience with it is we'll do a, we'll do a quick example. Say, say there's a, you know, there's a blast API and you want to know what someone's like swings were across you want to know what Lindley's swings were for the month of august so the the blast has its own database of data and you and like and, and there's like you know there's unique identifiers on the swings there's dates there's users so you could ping and i don't know what the blast api looks like i obviously didn't don't work for blast or didn't construct it i'm Kind of get. I'm kind of like guesstimating here based off what a standard API looks like and what ours looks like. You could send an API call. You you'd get like a special key, and you could use that to send an API call again through through like there's apps designed for a- APIs. Like depending on where their API rests, maybe they can. There's like a website where you can go and and drop in details in like a drop down box. But you could send uh, Kyle Lindley or whatever their username is on Blast. Start date August first end date august 30 31st and then you, you get returned a string of blasted you know all the blast data metrics that they have bat speed rotational acceleration um power all, all that stuff it would look like uh it usually be in i'm guessing it's gonna be in a json array so it would look like uh the actual metric i was on a swing by swing basis so this would be a long array so it'd be like power in quotes colon 72 comma bat speed colon 63 all this stuff so it'd be like a long array and then like usually when you build when you're getting an api call back you build like a a parser or processor or whatever it is like some script that takes in all that stuff arranges it and into like a readable format and then say like the whole point of using api call is to post like blast averages on a site like track right say track has the api called a blast so you send that so each time you have you build a profile on track you build like an api integration you click like send you know, which, which it would just not be a send button and be like generate blast results, right? So you click on that and then that tells the blast server, okay, Kyle Lindley, uh, start date, end date, and whatever else parameters they might want. And then all that array of data co- gets sent back and then gets like reran using your own script parser and then gets posted to the site. So, so, uh, that, that's kind of like what it looks like in real time. And we've, like I've, I've talked about in past episodes, we've developed an API for edge. So in theory, any, anyone can, pay for edge services edge analytics tools edge tools they just like we would just set up an api call system for them for them like send in their parameters which could be like you know user dates whatever the type of uh, technology they want back and then we send all that stuff back and it auto populates onto whatever whatever format they want so api 101 that's a yeah but why would you build one what do you mean testing my mind i don't know if it's i don't know if it's loud enough though going uh i think it sounds a little bit better yeah slightly louder why would you build an api yeah just for that purpose for being able to access that data correct because we want to display like you run the blast example by the way we, we actually don't have a blast api integration we have an api integration from their cloud output we have an api integration for a lot of technologies a lot of the main technologies like we have one for rap we have one for dk we don't have one for blast so track users 
have to like download the CSV from their cloud and import that. And then we've built like an integration off this, off the CSV. But so I'm saying that's a, that's a great example. So if we had a blast API, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure they charge X amount and Mike Rathwell or and Max Engelbrecht uh, on tracks and would determine if that's a good deal or not, but paying for a blast API would mean our users don't have to do that. Right. Cause right now our user, there's no blast API connection through track. Our users have to go to blast connect, select team report for all the players on their, on their facility, download that import it in track and watch it populate. That's fairly, that's fairly little work, but like, think about how, like, uh, think about how, like, you know, how busy or how may, how busy someone is, or maybe how lazy someone is, or just like not tech savvy. So that already hurts us. People that want to see blast data, they're like, Oh, what we got to go to the cloud and I'll just use the cloud or I'll just like, you know what I mean? Like if, if it had an API integration, like Rapsodo has, all you have to do is associate the APIs initially click like a, there's an associate button on, on track. And then there you go. Everything gets seamlessly linked from Rapsodo to track. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to Rapsodo cloud and download a CSV and import it in a track like you do for blast. So that, that's an example of like why we would like, you know, go directly from an API. And that's an example of something where someone, you know, like, the blast, the, the blast loss on not having an API is not that big because they do have a cloud CSV and everything. But there's other things where it's like, how are we, how do we ever get that data? How, you know, who's gonna get who's gonna get Edge data unless they they get an API call for us? Nobody, because we don't have like a cloud system. You have to you have to get API access from us to get that data. So, uh, hopefully so a lot of value, a lot of value too, is then being able to like uh, put a bunch of different steps in together. Uh, to make like a final product too, because like technically ours is uh, we're using the API, not from the, like the customer perspective or the client perspective. We're just like using that to like augment our like reporting or analysis stuff. So it's like makes, makes everything simpler and like puts, puts steps together that can be automated. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm saying like if someone wants to pay for edge tools, but they, you know, it's like they want to do it for a couple athletes. They don't need like to use track they could just contact us, set up an API, like set up some sort of system where they just get API calls straight from edge. And then we just like, you know, they just send the parameters. Like I mentioned before, like it could be the technology parameter, the athlete, the start end date, whatever else is needed. And then we, and then it just gets dumped back to them in whatever format they well, no, I mean, usually in a JSON format, but they could build, like we could like, you know, build a parser for them as well. Stuff like that. But yeah, in, in general, the idea is like just basically getting data getting data from other people or from other like, you know, sources essentially yeah. is really what an API boils down to. Definitely just testing my Still quiet. Oh fuck. I just spilled a butt. You guys hear that? Come on, man. I just spilled 30 Mentos gums on the ground. They're not that good anyways. <laughs> Cut this guy off. Me- Mentos, <laughs> Mentos gums kind of blow. All right. All right you're, you're up, Lindley. Let's talk laybacks. Podcast, podcast is full. No audio. No, you got no audio, bro. We podcast yeah, no, is jamming, dude. Everyone knows. I think I might be echoing thing. a little bit in this room, but I, oh, actually, that is a really good update uh, for this week. Going back to updates a little bit. Sorry for being scatterbrained. I'm at the new facility, recording at the at the new facility for the first time. Sorry, guys. Sorry, you guys missed out. Oh, dude, I thought you were about to give like a personal life update or something. Nope. <laughs> no. Dude, honestly, I can't I even imagine what, what what you were thinking about. What you Just thought what I was, I was thinking. Gonna be- no, this is what I was thinking. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna name drop anything. Anything crazy. <laughs> this, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking when you said because I joked about not needing not needing Brady, and I was gonna mention sorry, our podcast sorry, where I interviewed what? you. Doing what with me? Do you listen to podcasts that you weren't on? No. I interviewed Lindley. Dude, we talked about his high school and college. So bad. Oh, dude. Really? don't listen to it. No, don't dude. listen wow. to it, Anthony. I was, I was like, I was like, Lindley. So like, how'd you do in high in school? Were you like, were you like going out of, like? Wait, do you have a girlfriend in high school? Like this, this stuff like that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely didn't ask me that. Well, I meant to, dude. I left it on the table. Uh, nope. But, yeah, so I thought you were going to be like, oh, actually, update on that. People reached out asking about my personal life. <laughs> no, no, that's, yeah. Anyways. Well, you want to uh, go back? So, again, we've, we've talked about in the past, uh, a lot of our research, like biomechanics research that we do is like from questions from trainers. So this week... Um, there was one small one that we wrapped up this week, but the, the biggest request from this week was like a, a handful of correlations that one of our, uh, the manager of online training, Dean Jackson was asking about, he has this, uh, I think it's a really cool analogy for throwing. Um, 
Anthony, do you mind changing the uh, the overlay? Hey man, it's it's been changed, been changed. Oh, it's weird. It's not. Cha- oh, okay. There it is. <laughs> From the beginning. Um. Yeah. So so one of his big like analogies for the throw and how to efficiently uh just like transfer energy and and load and unload various segments is like acting as springs. So he, he talks about a spring as that maybe we can have him on and he can explain this uh, in like his own words, but basically there's a spring between the pelvis and the torso, which is hip shoulder separation. So you want to stretch the spring and then let the spring unload. Um, so you're loading it and then unloading it. And then there's another spring that is between the torso and the shoulder or sorry, the torso and the upper arm or the arm in general. So the shoulder is like the second spring and he is interested in some of the things that maybe uh, help load that spring. So getting into more layback, uh, it's another way to look at um, when we talk about layback, we're, we're referring to typically external rotation of the throwing shoulder. So like as your arm starts to come back and load throughout the throw before the acceleration phase of the throw, um, is what like it usually refers to. But in my opinion, I feel like horizontal abduction goes into that as well as how far your elbow is behind your uh, torso and your shoulder line. So he was looking at some, some things that potentially like contribute to that. And then also does like getting into layback more or like faster, sorry, not more. If so, if you externally rotate faster, does that, uh, is that associated with a faster internal rotation of the shoulder, which is something we talked about even in the last episode, that that is one of the biggest core, uh, like biggest metrics that's correlated to pitching velocity is how fast your shoulder internally rotates throughout the throw. Yeah. By, by the way, did you, did you post this in, uh, in research? No, I haven't written up the, uh, okay. I'll, I haven't I'll put together. Cause just, just so you know, even, even when I'm, uh, even when I'm like, uh, behind on requests and, and trying to like, you know, whatever I'm, I'm so, I'm still reading, I'm still reading your, your, uh, your write-ups. So. Okay. That's crazy. I actually didn't uh, yeah. think you were. I, and so I like, I originally, I did like an, like a, my, the first investigation was just looking at simple correlations. So there were three of them. The first was uh, external rotation velocity. So how fast you're getting into external rotation and is that correlated with uh, internal rotation velocity? And yes, when throughout the whole um, data set, we found that that those two relate that those two are correlated. So as you are like people who externally rotate faster, get a layback faster, they also internally rotate faster. The second is um, the does getting more or does if you horizontally adduct your arm faster. So if you like horizontal adduction is when your elbow is like moving towards the plate basically in line. So it's coming from behind your uh, shoulder line to in front of your shoulder line, which is, Mm -hmm. I don't know, might be, might be kind of tough to visualize. Um, But if you do that faster, does that lead to more external rotation, uh, more layback? Because like kind of intuitively that would make sense. Like if you're moving this way faster, maybe the inertia of your arm would like, pull your hand uh, farther back more or like actually rotate your, your uh, shoulder more. And then the third was uh, torso rotation. So if you rotate your torso towards home plate faster, does that also create more layback or are they related? Um, and all three of them were significantly correlated though. They were all weak. All the R's were below like 0.35 or whatever, but it was pretty interesting. Yeah, because, what was the sample? What was the sample size? Because that, that's probably what made it significant, right? Like a hundred plus yeah. people. Yeah, I think it was like, uh, man, I'm not sure. It was. I think it was like 400 points or something because it was by the throw. Yeah. So yeah, it was probably probably over a hundred people. Um, and then I did some some bucketed analysis, uh, which like basically separated it in between or like into uh velo buckets so do high is the relationship the same for high velocity throwers versus like middle velocity throwers and low velocity throwers so the highest velo group was above 88 the middle velo was between 78 and 88 and then the low velo group was below 78 miles an hour and um so all three were significant when they were or when all of the data points were included but then when I uh, separated it out by um, by uh, like bucketed velo, the torso rotation was no longer uh, related to more layback. 
um, in any in in any of the three groups, which was interesting. Um, yeah. Horizontal adduction. So if when if people horizontally adduct faster, uh, that relationship with layback was was um, positive for all three groups as well, and that was the strongest correlation. And then for the for external rotation velocity, so how fast you get into the layback, that was only related to more uh, internal rotation velocity in the high velocity group and the low velocity group. So um, it was pretty interesting because all three of those. Have you told like, Dean? Have you told Dean like any of these results? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, like <laughs> whenever whenever I do it, uh, a request for Dean, he always just like he like really wants to understand it as deep as possible. So he's like, can we just zoom? Can we just, <laughs> can we just hop on a call and, and talk about it in person? Uh, which, which I appreciate, but uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Cause like, if you think about a spring, um, I talked to him about this too. I think the spring is a really cool analogy because it allows you to like really understand how much like allowing yourself to get into a loaded position and then unloading from there is, um, is like, can be, can be beneficial. So, um, I mean, that, all that, all that makes sense. That's a uh, very, very similar to how, like when we were originally looking at it and we saw like scap retraction had such a huge, uh, like correlation and why was that like horizontal abduction creating, creating the ability for like that, uh, like the elbow and the hand replacing each other, um, mm-hmm. in the throw. And like, you can't really do that. Uh, like when you create enough scap retraction, you're allowing for like enough stretch to, uh, for that, for that to take place. As opposed to like, if you don't get your arm back, you're like manually rotating back into external rotation as opposed to the, as you rotate an external rotation, horizontal adduction taking place, which is movement around the torso here. And so like, that coming forward, allowing for layback uh, to occur. So I feel like, mm-hmm. and you can, because because if you like test people's active or passive range of motion, it's all in like external rotation. It's always lower than what they actually get in the th- or like very often it's lower than what they actually get in the throat, right? Because all that inertia yeah. is just like allowing you to get more stretch here. Yeah, and we were we were seeing that across the board in terms of like maximum external rotation correlating with maximum scapular retraction. So maximum shoulder horizontal abduction and maximum ER were both correlated. And then both of those being like really highly correlate with uh, ball velocity. So like that was kind of like the interaction that I think like Jagers and I, Sam even as well talked about like a lot, like that scap retraction allowing for more like natural external rotation later in the throw it seems like. Wait, so, 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 Alinda, you muted yourself, by the way. Oh, sorry. Is that intentional? Yeah, I was, I was, uh, message server back. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, so, so, wait, so, sorry. May I miss it? What, what, what were Dean's takeaways when you, when you hit him with that? Uh, most of it is just like he, he's, he has this spring analogy and he like wants to, uh, use it. He's like, as a bunch of his requests, I think, has, have contributed to this. He wants to like make sure that he's thinking about it in the right way. So like most of these are um, pretty confirmatory as far as his his like just just the analogy. And I asked him how like athletes uh, respond to it. He said people really love it um, when when he like tells an athlete about the the spring analogy. He thinks that athletes respond really well and they end up moving better in the end um, because it seems like that is a big part of the throws being able to be passive when you need to be passive and then, and like allow yourself to get into loaded positions and then, and then actively get out of those positions. Um, so but his, his takeaway is just basically yep. that like uh, kind of supporting his, his like spring um, analogy of, of uh, describing the throw. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Springs, whips, like all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. any anything to yeah. like better understand the kinetic chain is, is yeah, especially for the for the kinetic chain the whip one makes the most sense uh to me at least and that's the one that i usually that's my go-to for explaining like if i was to describe the kinetic chain with one like one analogy or one comparison it would be with the whip one probably right so yeah yep 
Oh, um, uh, what did I mention? Oh, yeah. Uh, you, never mind. I just completely blanked. No, come I on, come on. You'll, you'll find this. You'll find this. You'll find it. I believe in you. Yeah, I, finally got, next, I think I finally got my Brady's, audio fixed. It, I was uh, exactly yeah, next to Brady's lost audio. It's next to Brady's lost audio, my thought. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, spent so much, I spent so much time working on the freaking intros and outros that somehow my audio settings got all weird. But I should be balanced with you guys now. Yeah, it, it, it sounds yeah, fine it sounds now. Good. It sounds fine now. I also look like a samurai dude with my high bun. All right, what were you going to say? Bun. Come on, Caravan. Do you have, a, what was that do you have a red light in your room somewhere, Caravan? Whenever you get right close it, to the- it's the red blanket. Uh, whenever, yeah. whenever you get close to the camera, your hand gets close to the camera. It's like bright red. Caravan's I office is the red burnt. light district. Dude, I just got burnt a little bit. <laughs> uh, All right, dude. What do we have next on overlay? Healy stuff. Yep, pitch quality. How do you calculate Sorry. pitch quality? Uh, am I going to share my screen? Yeah, you can do that. Okay, let me move it out of the tabs. No damning tabs. Um, How do you not have any damning tabs? You have so many open that it's just like. No, I know. I, I do have damning tabs. I'm saying so. I'm moving <laughs> out of the damning tabs. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, and speaking of, uh, I think Brady hasn't even let me share my screen. He's that scared of. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who has screen screen sharing privileges. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Try it now. All right. You guys see this? Yep. Uh, yeah. So first off, let me just head this off by saying, just say very dense. How many pages is this? Give us a little zoom page. in. What's Sorry, up? how many pages? 16. Oh, I thought you said 60. I was like, what a piece of research that is. You wanna, it's 16, oh, nice. There we go. It's 16 Good. pages, a couple of graphs at the bottom, a couple of pages of references. Um, this is Glenn Healy, who now does some MLB consulting, wrote a bunch of stuff on a lot of the popular sabermetric sites. Um, Fangraphs, Hardball Times. I, I, I don't know his whole... Uh, portfolio but this is like probably just like a big piece of research that gets cited quite a lot for very serious sabermetric pieces yeah so um, re- real honestly, quick for anyone for anyone watching live there's a link in the description on the youtube for anyone listening to this after watching this after again on the youtube there's a link this is is it bayesian mm-hmm Bayesian method for computing intrinsic pitch values using kernel density and non-parametric regression estimates Glenn Healy. Yeah. And, and honestly, you, you, you put stuff behind a paywall, right? I wonder if this link goes anywhere. Okay. Actually, we shouldn't try that on air. Um, but uh, you can put a link in. Sure. Um, anyways, so so, uh, so I heavily, I'm, I'm going to do kind of a service level skim of this. I heavily recommend anyone that is very, very into uh, just overall, anyone that's like into building ERA predictors. Especially on a pitch by pitch level, um, I'd heavily recommend this piece. Not even just like, not even not necessarily endorsement of it, but just it covers a ton of. I mean, first of all, I do think it's a very uh, solid piece of research, but it covers a ton of, you know, facets of what you want to look at when you do talk about run values per pitch, intrinsic run values, true cha- true talent metrics, uh, predictive variables, all this stuff, even in the abstract. First off, this this data is based on uh, uh, this 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 data is based on hit effects and pitch effects data, um, as it goes back quite a few years. Um, but it it strikes on a few core concepts that I think are valuable in any, like I said, any long sabermetric piece of research, especially like with publicly available data and where you have the benefit of a couple of years. So it talks about reliability, uh, in this case, Chrome Max Alpha, which is a metric that. Typically, once you get around, around 0. 0.7, 0. 0.7 is kind of the industry standard for thinking something's reliable. And the idea of that is like where like the the variable consolidates and is stable. And I'm 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 dropping a bunch of buzzwords. And honestly, there's a lot of controversy. Sometimes like some pick some some sticklers will be like, oh, don't call it reliable. Say it stabilizes or the or the opposite. So really, what this means is at what point, at, at what sample size are you confident that the metric is 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 what it is is an actual indicator of the value uh this is something i've talked about in past pieces but like one of the 
one of the core concepts is like using using stuff like Chromebox Alpha to tell if like okay exit velocity stabilizes after 50 at batch, Woba stabilizes after around 300. Those are rough estimates of existing research out there. Anyways, reliability of Chromebox Alpha. They also talk about um or he also yeah he mainly Healy I think he has some authors on this though, maybe not um talks about predictiveness and descriptiveness. So the idea is he's talking about predictiveness and using his intrinsic run value metrics for use for predicting the next year for a pitcher and comparing it to ERA and FIP. And I believe this outperforms it. So skimming through a few, uh, like a lot of this intro is, uh, you know, past research was again, very valuable in the context of like looking through this paper, will give you an idea of where the industry is. This paper only came out about a year ago. So fairly relevant. Uh, and, and like I said, Healy, Healy is currently working for MLB team. So some of these numbers are being used by MLB front offices, um, talks about pitch effects and hit effects data started in late 2000 or yeah. Um, okay. So let's skip to just how he calculated a bunch of the metrics. And this is like, just, I think for anybody that skims through this paper and gets thrown off by the math, there's a lot of like Bayesian probability stuff in there and Bayesian on, uh, on a high level just means the idea of what what's the probability of some event occurring given that something else occurred. So it, like that itself is like called a posterior probability. And a lot of this, again, kind of almost serves like a, like a math lesson, but we try to like the paper tries to simulate more accurate probabilities for outcomes. Like in this case, ball in play, called ball, called strike, swinging strike, foul ball, batter hit by pitch based on intrinsic values of the pitch. So like, okay, can we use pitch metrics, for example, to like how well can we simulate those classifications, those outcomes? Um, And he also uses multidimensional Gaussian kernels, which I'm not going to spend too much time on to not even bog this paper (laughs) down even more. But again, if, if, if any interested and interested viewers that get thrown off by this like math heavy uh, intro, like I said, th- a lot of this stuff actually gets explained in the paper and there's references. And also you don't need a working knowledge of everything to take away like the main the main keys. Um, wh- one thing I really like about this paper and one thing that a lot of sabermetric pieces nowadays kind of, I don't know if these, and I shouldn't say sabermetric pieces, a lot, there's a lot of content out there. There's more content than ever before. Uh, uh, people are catching on that they can have a platform by just making a blog and pushing stuff out there. And a lot of that stuff is really good. Some of that stuff's eh. But I think like one of the key things that often gets maybe not as well represented is when you when you have like a ton of data, um, putting it in context. So for example, a lot of stuff here, uh, you know, takes into account what's the handiness of the batter, what's the handiness of the pitcher, what's the count, stuff like that, what's the pitch type. So uh, so here's like a, a smooth uh, probability of outcomes based on a, a linear linear weights outcomes based on right-handed pitcher versus right-handed batter on an OO count, forcing fastballs. And then here the idea is uh, linear weights, which we've, we've talked, I've talked about a little bit in this podcast. Um, but I think it's like important to recap for any interested listeners. And it's people that don't have a great grasp of it, but linear weights are what makes up like metrics like WOBA and run expectancy values and all that stuff. So for example, like in different years, like the idea of linear weights is that they normalize to different years and different like run scoring environments. So in different years, different events will carry a different linear weight. So that'll be like, you know, a home run, give up a home run right now is probably, uh, you know, not as bad of an indicator of your pitch quality as it would have been say 30 to 40 years ago, you know, or even like during the dead ball era. So like things like that allow you to adjust for a different environment and map like models and equations across different weights or sorry, across different years. Um, So again, a lot of this is getting into the nitty gritty of how they get different weights for the variables and like the statistical analysis of all this stuff, which again, I think is very, very uh, important to read and understand for people that, uh, you know, for people that like want want to really get into the, the details and get an idea of where we are. So I'll kind of skim through a bunch of this and talk about some of the results here's like and this is something again i recommend to any aspiring cybermetricians out there it's important to not just build a model and get like 
your typical error rates, you know, say like, okay, I got a root mean square error of this. I got a correlation of this. This predicts like this metric more closely. Also look at what your, also look at what your outcomes are. Look at the leaderboard. Look at like the top 10 performing uh, pitchers. Look at a to- top 10 worst performing pitchers. Cause even a good model will have some, uh, you know, like some funkiness and be like, okay, wow. So clearly my model over represents people with like, very good walk rates, which you can tell. Yeah. I think any, I think most baseball fans um, would look at this right here. This is the by by Haley's intrinsic run value weight, um, the most effective right-handed pitchers uh, in 2014. I think most people would look at this and be able to tell that this, you know, weights pretty highly location and command. Because a lot of these pitchers have very good command, especially in 2014. I don't know if that was the year Phil Hughes broke the K to walk ratio, but I think I think it might have been. Um, and then also looking at uh, like part of part of this is uh, Healy. I think also constructed metrics to give oh yeah observe minus intrinsic to give an idea of who is the luckiest. So. Not just the idea. Intrinsic is observed is what's happened. Like, right, looking at the actual linear weights, like, okay, this guy gave up, like, two home runs and, and whatever other sequence of events. Like, that's what happened. That's his linear weight. That's much more descriptive because it tells you what happened. And obviously, that has some weight. If someone goes if someone goes a whole season and has a two ERA, that's likely a very good pitcher. But the idea here is uh, looking at the intrinsic metrics and seeing like what where's the biggest gap because the idea there would be like that person outperformed their metrics and I think this paper goes into how reliable and predictive Healy's intrinsic uh, values are for a future reference so it's like the idea is okay like we actually feel confident in this being an indication of luckiness or overperforming because the intrinsic values outperform ERA and FIP so these are like some of the luckier pitchers. 2014 and again a ton of like really cool really, really cool graphics even for people that aren't too mathy uh stuff like era and fip differences i think a lot of people are familiar with looking at like you know who outperformed the era versus fip uh sierra as well linking basically the correlation between uh the observed and intrinsic pitch values with sierra and era so this this would be an indicator that his observed and intrinsic gaps are similar to the gaps between Sierra of the next year uh, and then ERA of the year before that. So again, that's this, this is a good indicator that like as like while the while the uh, gap in in observed minus intrinsic is is higher, that also means like the Sierra is going to be um, lower compared to that ERA and. A ton of graphs in here, and I guess going to the conclusion. <laughs> well, dude, also this page is much much harder to scroll through when it's that zoomed in. I yeah. like have to, yeah. have to have to scroll like four times to get like through a page. Yeah, maximum <laughs> magnification. Yeah, yeah. So 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 some key takeaway here's uh, here. Uh, like I mentioned, Chromax Alpha show that intrinsic pitch values have a high reliability in traditional outcome based pitch values. Um, that's just a good summary. I just read it word by word rather than paraphrasing it myself. Very nice, um, very nice. In, intrinsic pitch values also like pr- compare favorably to ERA and FIP. Um, and also the, the like we not only use, let me see, I lost mention of that. Oh yeah. We not only use like the actual pitch parameters, but also use like specific batter and pitcher traits um, that to also improve like the model's ability for both descriptiveness, reliability, and predictiveness. So Again, a really, really dense paper, um, but like some really, really cool stuff. And like, and anyone interested out there, like, please don't get thrown off by a bunch of these, you know, a bunch of these like Greek symbols used for like mathematical quantities. A ton of this stuff will become like much more clear. This is usually the sigma function uh, giving like standard deviations. So in this case, it kind of gives like an idea of a what? Not not to be uh, confused with the sigmoid function. Mm, Yes. Yes. Don't even get me started on that, dude. <laughs> we haven't had a, there, has, there hasn't been any questions in the chat, so I think everyone's following along. Just fine. yeah, I think they all understand it. Perfect. So I mean, I mean, in conclusion, 2014 Phil Hughes is the best pitcher of all time. Wow. 
should have changed the overlay to that. Um, I, I, one of the reasons yeah. I like this paper to, 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 to kind of to kind of should be the title of this video. To, to kind of finish off, one of the reasons I like this paper is it's it has tons of heavy math sections, but also has a lot of like tables. Like anybody who's a baseball fan, like I said, can go in here. They're familiar with ERA and FIP probably, and get an idea of like, okay, oh, that's right. Like Kyle Gibson did uh out, or did underperform his FIP. Uh, like what, what did that lead to? How is it observed intrinsic pitch values? Um, like what, what was the gap there? Did that match up? That kind of stuff. And uh, like I said, like he, he, he has a pretty good portfolio and resume of working on this kind of stuff. And I think a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff might get shrouded in the, in the public sphere, but this is like one of those sabermetric pieces that, you know, went the full slew of getting, getting really strong supporting evidence, having it like actually be submitted as a study and uh is like quoted is both quoted in a lot of important pieces and has a ton of really valuable stuff at the bottom and i think it actually speaks to like how i went about when i when i wrote my saber paper what i would do is i would like look at a ton of kind of like papers like this that are like seminal works of literature in the field and look through the references section and then like follow those links like down a rabbit hole and learn more about stuff that way yeah Couple things. Uh, saw Mike Leak on one of those lists. Forks up. Second thing. Um, Eighty-eight mile an hour fastball. What is the? What is that? So like the out or the result of this paper is a way to measure uh, somebody's like expected performance uh, based on like right like they're supposed to be this good based on what metrics? Yeah. Um, the I mean what metrics, bro? Read a paper. Uh, no, I mean, a lot of it is very dense and actually like the, the specific, like, this is like, th- there's, there's like ways to, uh, basically he's like reclassifying like ex woba on these metrics. Um, he's re- he's bringing in like the actual, like it's, it's mostly pitch metrics with a bunch of controls. Like so on spin, the velocity. Yeah. But, but like, but like they're, they're non-parametric estimations. So like he he's built models, he's built these like estimated functions, and a lot of them are like non-parametric. So they're like essentially like weighted different weights to existing metrics, uh, and like those like those will get be like certain variables, and those will be like uh, be applied to like a kernel des- uh, density estimation function, um, and then that'll be like smoothed out, and then that'll be like the the value uh, on like a very high level. So like the idea here is. Again, like these are all metrics that are available in public data, or at least like public pitch by pitch data. But but Healy like ran his own, um, like rebuilt his own like equations and you know parametric and non-parametric visualization or like representations of those metrics. But the, the idea is yeah, like the basically looking at intrinsic pitch values being more reliable, um, like like more reliable quicker and be, do, being better at predicting like future performance than typical uh typical like you know pitch metrics uh classifications that exist nowadays gotcha it's tight it's tough right uh we got anything else or anybody else to challenge me in some chugging uh next i don't week, think anyone's week i don't think anyone's challenging you chugging uh um, i am next week okay a beer a beer chug for oh, episode 30 by the way oh, one last thing i forgot dude I was gonna bring this up as clickbait right off the bat. Uh-oh. Um, Uh-oh. Uh oh. But uh, just just a reminder, up? we're live. I have not bailed twice on the the mile run, by the way. How many times have you bailed then? I didn't bail yesterday. You just said that you were busy all day, and I had plans last night. So I can't just like like give up my plans because you had to like work in Dude, the morning. You didn't try to 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 hash it out though. I said you like what time works for you, and I'm like, hmm. Maybe like five or six. You're like, can't do it. Sorry, bud. Next time. No, I didn't say sorry, bud. Can't next do it, time. Bud. Let me let you me said, look at the DM right now. Can't do it, bud. Oh. Or, oh, it's 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 a text. No, I said. Can't uh, do it, bud. Is about as disrespectful as you could get. Oh yeah, for sure. But I just yeah. Like, I, I don't think didn't I, don't, say that. I, I don't think only said bud, but it was just like not even trying to negotiate. Like not even like, dude. Oh, can you do two? Can you do two or three? Can't do like, it. Oh, I can't do it. Listen, you said desperately. You said desperately in your text message. How am I supposed to like try to force something on you if you're desperately trying to finish up something? Like I'm not just gonna like 
Try to fuck up your schedule. Get the stream. Get the stream. Wow. <laughs> I was just like, if you're desperately trying to like uh, finish your shit, don't worry about it, bro. Fair it's at, not that big of a deal. Wow, Lindley being the nice guy here. Yeesh. I forgot. I said. I, I'd forgotten. I said desperately. That, that's on me. Yo, cut the cut the stream. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was a, next week. Yeah, we'll cut the stream. Got a. We're all gonna have a. Yeah. Uh, Yo, was, was it big viewership by the way? Uh, I think like fifteen, maybe twenty. Um, but yeah, that's, next next. What's up? That's fat. Fifteen, twenty, not bad yet. Yeah, my that's my audio fat. is all sorts of messed up throughout. I gotta try to figure that out. Um, next week though, I'll be back. Well, I'll be back in Seattle. Um. And yeah, yo, with, with, with a guest, dude. Even True. though we haven't we haven't determined it, should we literally have that potentially uh, with a guest? Yeah, we could we could line up a guest for for next week. Um, I'm down to keep the I'm down to keep the guest on guest off. Uh, yeah, train two, going. I also have a quick uh, two live streams in a row. We plan on doing the next one live stream. Keep the live streams consistent every Monday, 4 p.m. PST. Quick proposal: you guys come in and record here because it's such a vibe. Recording at the new facility, dude. We'll okay. see on that. I'm probably going to quarantine for a bit, you know, because I got to travel through the airports again. Keep everyone safe. Do the responsible Fair. thing. Uh, Very responsible. Maybe, maybe two weeks from now. We'll see. So Okay, fine. But next week, we for sure have to chug a Coors Light or some other light beer. Chug a I don't know light. about I'm that. 30. I don't, I don't I'm know if I'm going to do that. Um, I might be out of the, the chugging thing. We'll see. We'll have Billy, we'll have Billy uh, hop on for that bit of it. There's the guest right there. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good point. Former driveline athlete. Idea. Boom. That's right. Yo, are we still live? We're still live. I'm about to cut it. Um, yeah. Live show every. Wait, 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 wait. Cut it, cut it. As as I'm about to say something, I'm about to, as I'm about to say something damning. Oh, so so cut this. No, 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 no. I'm about to say something. Week. Okay, cut, we'll cut see it. you next week. Cut, Peace, everyone. Cut it as I'm talking live right show. Now. <laughs>